Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, we dive into the mysterious world of dreams and sleep and learn what the latest science teaches us. If you're like me, you find the topic of sleep and dreams fascinating and mysterious. Yet there's so much we still don't know about these most basic functions that are crucial to our very survival. I knew that we must be learning a lot in recent years. I mean, all kinds of scientists are constantly studying these things. Well, today we're going to hear from a lead researcher on the topics. He's Will Pigeon, director at the University of Rochester Medical Center Sleep and Neurophysiology Research Lab. He's going to talk about sleep and dream science. It's not just what researchers are passively observing about sleep and dreams. They're trying to figure out how to use what they know to improve our lives, to treat or cure post-traumatic stress disorder, to regulate emotion, to predict who might be more likely to commit suicide. He starts by taking us back to when his own children were young and he viewed their sleep as a scientific observer. Here's researcher Will Pigeon. So I remember when my kids were young, being a young sleep researcher myself, I was very interested in their sleep, and I noticed how all over the place they were in bed, or a couple of my boys seemed, and I thought, oh my gosh, there's something's wrong with them. Shouldn't they not move a whole lot? But kids do move all over the place. They sleep in odd locations. They'll fall asleep, you know, not just in the car seat, but on the sofa with a dog on them, under a dog with teddy bears and so forth next to each other. I always thought that was kind of cute, and, uh, but also kind of odd. But that's normal for them. That's fairly normal. What got you into... What got you interested in sleep research? Yeah, so I was uh, initially interested in dreams. And during my graduate uh, program, I was looking for a job. I needed money, and I saw a handwritten sign at a library, medical school library, that was advertising for an overnight sleep technologist. And I thought, get paid money to, to just be overnight, and I could probably work on my papers while doing so. And so I actually got a position as an overnight sleep technologist, worked in a sleep lab at, uh, at Dartmouth um, Medical School. And the first time, the very first night I was there, I got hooked because I saw coming across the screen, much as you uh, have seen here, the eye movements that occur during rapid eye movement or REM sleep. I saw them occurring and it struck me that I was watching a visual representation of an internal experience that somebody was having right next door to me. Um, and I was interested in dreams and I was watching a physical man manifestation of a dream happening, totally hooked. Said, I'm not only am I interested in dreams for my dissertation, I want to be a sleep researcher. Explain just in simple terms what REM or REM sleep is. Yeah, so there are four different sleep stages. Uh, one is very light sleep, and we've named them something really unique. One, two, and three. Stage uh, one sleep is light sleep. Stage two, a little deeper. Stage three, a little deeper still. And then REM sleep is a completely different state of sleep. Rapid eye movement sleep, aptly named, because although in other, 
uh, stages of sleep, the eyes don't really move a whole lot. In REM sleep, the eyes dart about up and down and back and forth. And so rapid eye movement sleep, named thus about 70 years ago uh, by the folks who discovered it. What's going on with that? Yeah. So what the heck is going on with that? The brain becomes incredibly active during REM sleep, which, by the way, happens every 80 to 100 minutes throughout the night. So we will have REM sleep every three or four times or sometimes five times a night. Brain is very active. It looks completely different, the brain, than it does during other phases of sleep. The eye movements themselves seem to mirror what the person, the dreamer, is experiencing during a dream, partly, and partly it's motor movements that, that are occurring. Are people dreaming when they're not in that stage of REM sleep, or are they dreaming differently when their eyes are moving like that? Yeah, that is a really good good question. They're, uh, they're a little more, the dreams tend to be a little bit more active. Um, it's also an intuitive question because we dream not only in REM sleep, but in other stages of sleep. And the dreaming that occurs in other stages of sleep is, is somewhat different. Um, you might have experienced, or others, your viewers might have experienced, that when you initially fall asleep sometimes, you can have a quasi-dream. It's, uh, you might be uh, working on a problem, and you have a dream about the problem. And you, you wake up and you realize, oh my gosh, I just had a dream. Um, so that is a very different kind of dream than a dream that's more epic and bizarre and cool that occurs during REM sleep. What are your overview reflections of the science of what we know about sleep today, what we don't know, how fast we've learned about it? I assume we've learned a lot in the past 10, 20, 30 years. We have learned a good deal about sleep over the last 10 or 20 years, for sure. It still surprises me, and this is true for other uh, brain research as well, that if you asked somebody, some of the early sleep uh, researchers, REM sleep researchers 50 or 60 years ago, um, what their life was like then compared to 10 or 20 years ago, completely different in terms of what they had discovered and known. And I think uh, in comparison, we still have a lot of questions. Some have been answered, but we still have a lot of questions. There's some basic questions about what sleep is and why we sleep and functions of sleep. We have some answers to some extent, maybe some of those are, are, are still pending. Well, that was kind of gonna be my next question. You can answer however you wish, but why do we sleep? Yeah. Well, we certainly need sleep, don't we? We're pretty grumpy and irritable when we don't sleep. And we'll die without it, right? Well, if we go long enough, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so some of the early experiments on sleep deprivation were done in, in laboratory animals. And if you sleep deprive a laboratory animal for long enough, indeed, it perishes, it dies. Uh, first, it is unable to regulate uh, its body heat. It, it tries to consume mass amounts of, of calories, but is unable to maintain body weight, and eventually uh, uh, organs start to fail and it dies. So uh, obviously we don't do that kind of research on, on humans, but uh, yeah, don't sleep uh, for days and days and days and days on end. Not a good thing, but just don't sleep well one night or two and things don't go so well. Um, what's important to, for me, what's important is uh, that getting good quality sleep uh, is for so many of us kind of an after afterthought. It may be the, it, it may be something that comes off the list um, that uh, we'll stay up a little bit later tonight or we'll sacrifice sleep 
for a variety of things that are higher on the list. But over time, it adds up and takes a toll on multiple systems in the body. So sleep is pretty darn important uh, overall for maintaining our health. What happens on a nightly basis, we think, is that there are a couple things at the cellular level that are occurring that are incredibly important for maintaining this brain and body, this being of ours. So one of them is to clear junk from out of our, our neurons, our brain cells, that accumulate during the 20 the prior uh, waking hours. So sleep is a time in general for the body to rest and restore as well as clean things out. Very true for, uh, for, the, for the brain as well. It's also true that we need sleep to recharge. Um, and there may even be uh, a, uh, an, evolutionary, an evolutionary advantage to sleeping. We conserve energy while we sleep. Metabolism is lower. Our heart rate decreases. Uh, we're not running around uh, consuming things and, and needing con to consume things. And way back evolutionarily, it could be that sleep was a way to uh, protect us uh, during the dark periods of the 24-hour cycle that we go through every day, maybe. Is there something really big that could be unlocked if we understood more about why we sleep and dream? By that, I mean, like, why we exist, how we exist, what, I don't know, just really big questions. Big questions. Yeah. Yeah, those are big questions. Um, so I'm going to answer a different question. That one's too big. It scares me right now. Okay. Um, so there are a, a lot of uh, conditions that uh, can be made better by improved sleep and a lot of conditions that can be made worse by worse sleep. For me, that's one of the huge topic areas, sleep health in general, and the co-occurrence of sleep problems with other problems. And we often think about, you mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, depression, a, a host of, of pretty serious conditions, medical conditions as well as psychiatric or mental health conditions. And when you look at the, the, uh, the, the list of symptoms, Sleep is often one of those symptoms. Poor sleep or insomnia, which is difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep, it's a symptom. Um, for decades, what has occurred is that the thought had been, if we treat the main thing, the sleep will get better because the poor sleep is just a symptom. And what we really know now, so yes, some things that we've learned in the last couple decades. One of the big things, and it's not we found a new cell or we found a new neuronal system or we found a new chemical in the body. It's the realization that sleeping is in and of itself incredibly important and is itself, when it's not going well, its own disorder. And when, it's not, when it is a disorder and it's not treated, things don't go well. So depression is a prime example. In the presence of insomnia, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep that lasts a long time, someone can develop depression who didn't have depression previously. So a sleep problem left untreated can cause other problems. There's growing realization that that's the case and an understanding that we have to treat sleep problems when, they're, when we're faced with them. So that's, that, that, it may not seem like a big deal, but it's a pretty big deal for a physician uh, or a provider, a healthcare provider of some, uh, some kind to ask about sleep, which was typically not done some years ago, uh, and then say, oh, well, perhaps we should treat it, and here are your options. We could do this, we could do this. Incredibly important and quite a move. For people who don't want to get on a medicine right away, yeah. are there other things they can do? I don't know if this is in your area of expertise. Sure. 
What can people do to improve their sleep and their sleep health? Yeah, so it depends on the, the sleep problem. There's some very common uh, suggestions to improve sleep, and you'll see them or hear them uh, all over the place. So I'm going to give them to you. I don't think they're incredibly important. We should just do them. So don't be dumb about sleep. So have a fairly regular schedule. Try not to go to bed at 9 o'clock one night and 1 a.m. the next night and 10 p.m. the next night. Have a fairly regular Oops. bedtime, fairly regular <laughs> rise time. Try not to travel. Um, try not to do new shows because those are really <laughs> horrible for you. Uh, now, a regular, a regular bedtime is ter terribly important. Try not to bring your problems to bed with you. We all do it, right? But so set a half an hour aside to do the worrying whether it's on paper, whether it's in your head, but go to bed when you're ready for bed and ready for sleep and hopefully at a regular time. Just those two things alone can be incredibly important. If you're somebody like millions of, of folks who now are doing crossword puzzles or watching TV in bed or, or have your Computer. laptop, get yeah. the darn electronics out of the room if you can or at the very, you know, silence them, put them down. Little things, fairly important things. But uh, if I can, I'll just keep going, right? Yes. Well, I will then. <laughs> if somebody has insomnia that's fairly chronic, so three months or more, so it's incredibly common for us to have something happen in our lives and we have trouble falling asleep for a night or two nights or a week or two weeks. But if it goes on for two weeks, four weeks, months, years, that's pretty chronic insomnia. In our lab and in our clinic, when we study insomnia, the average amount of time that people have insomnia is a decade, a decade. And they've tried one medication, another medication. The most common uh, approach to treating insomnia is, in fact, a sleep medication. But surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, the recommended treatment is not to start with medication. That's a second step. The recommended treatment is to do a behavioral intervention, which is called, called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. It's the simple things that I mentioned, the little hints, but then a couple other things, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do justice, justice to them. First, if you're only sleeping for five or six hours a night, don't lay in bed for eight or nine hours. So if you've been awake for a half an hour, get out of bed, go somewhere else. It's counterintuitive to do that, but when occur, what occurs when we're in bed awake is we continue to be in bed awake and we get frustrated, and we start to think more, and we hear more things, and our spouse bothers us, and then it's 1 a.m. and it's 2 a.m. So instead of going through that, remove yourself from the bedroom, go somewhere else, read, read something in, a, in dim lighting, return to bed when you're ready to fall asleep again, or give it another try in an hour or two. So that won't help so much that night because you've lost that time reading. But if you continue to do that and only keep yourself in bed when you're asleep, and sleepy and trying and ready to fall asleep, over time, in a fairly short time, your brain and body will learn a new habit and learn a new pairing. And that pairing is, bed is not frustration, bed is sleep. And so over time, when people have insomnia, they tend to, uh, th that association becomes blurred or it's the now the wrong association. So we want to retrain the brain and body to do that. So that's one simple thing. I'm gonna give you a second one. And the second one is, if you are only sleeping five or six hours, don't even go to bed until you have a six hour window to sleep in. So rather than saying to yourself, oh good Lord, I am just dragging today, I'm gonna to go to bed two hours earlier. Don't do that. Go to bed at 12 o'clock 
and your alarm's at 6 a.m., for instance. Over time, what that will do, if you restrict the amount of time you're in bed to the amount of time that your brain and body seem to be giving you now, your brain and body will utilize that time without having holes in it. And over time, you can then stretch that sleep window from six hours to six and a quarter to six and a half. So that's part of cognitive behavioral therapy. It works incredibly well. It's hard to do because it means changing habits. And we know changing habits is pretty tough. So huge plug for that approach for insomnia. More with Will Pigeon in a moment. All right, folks, you've been hearing me rave about Cozy Earth and their incredible, soft, and luxurious bedding. My wife and I love these sheets and bedding, and I'm not alone. She's not alone. You know why? We're all not alone, because this incredible company, Cozy Earth, made Oprah's most favorite things list four years in a row. That is not easy to do. That is a big thing. And literally thousands of customers have left five-star reviews on their website. Case in point, Melissa, she says, sleeping on these sheets has changed my life. They are so smooth and soft. I sleep like a baby. It is priceless to be able to wake up refreshed and not dripping in sweat. I recommend them to all my friends and my family. Worth every penny. That is Melissa, and I think she's onto something. I feel the same way. When I sleep on these sheets, if it's warm at night, I feel cool. If it's cold at night, they suddenly turn warm. I don't know how to describe it other than it's like they're adjusting to my body temperature. However it works, it is the ultimate experience. Now, what we do know is they're made of the finest luxury materials, including soft viscose from highly sustainable and ethically produced bamboo. Plus, they're temperature regulating, so you sleep cool and comfy year-round or warm when it's appropriate. And for a limited time, because you're part of the Just the News family, you're going to save 35% on Cozy Earth. That's nothing to sneeze at. 35%. It's a big savings. So check out all of the awesome loungewear they also have sheets loungewear bedding it is an unbelievable bonanza when you get to their store so go to cozyearth.com and enter just news at the checkout and you're going to save ready for this 35 percent. who doesn't want to save 35 percent when inflation is running so high right now and you're going to get the sleeping experience of a lifetime and by the way Cozy Earth is so confident in this product, they're going to give you a 100-night trial. That's right. CozyEarth.com is going to give you a 100-night trial. Who does that? So don't waste any more time. Go check it out. Go take advantage of this 35% discount. All you got to do is go to CozyEarth.com right now and enter Just News at checkout for 35% off. That is a deal. Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. 
Next, sleep scientist Will Pigeon talks about the meaning of dreams and also dreams as a potential predictor for suicide. If there were someone who had all the answers to everything, what are some of the questions you would ask them that are outstanding, at least in your mind? Yeah, uh, so why do we dream? So you asked, why do we sleep? Why do we dream? There are two primary reasons why we dream, and you may have heard this already, but it's important to underscore two main reasons. One, some memory consolidation, rehearsal of memories, improving the memory system in some way. There are a number of ways that that seems to occur, and that is something that's been learned in the last couple decades. That's new for us, for the sleep field, to know that dreaming is to some extent, or a large extent, related to consolidating new memories, consolidating learning into new memories, and that secondly, there's something about emotion regulation that occurs during dreaming, that it can improve regulation of emotions in some way if it's functioning properly. The second component of dreaming that seems to be important is regulating emotion in some way. So dreaming, it can be quite emotional. When dreaming is functioning well, it seems to regulate emotion in some way. Would you say to that man with all the knowledge, I'm trying to think of what I would ask, like, why were we designed where we have to have that period instead of us being able to do that while we're awake, rejuvenate ourselves, or I don't know. Yeah, why didn't we evolve in such a way that we could regenerate on the fly so that we could recharge like a hybrid so that we didn't need to park for eight hours and put ourselves in a vulnerable situation where we could, predators could could have at us. Why? Why? That doesn't seem to be the best way to approach this. Couldn't we be moving? Couldn't we be doing more? And of course, there's many people that that are nodding, right? They're saying, yeah, why couldn't I just sleep? I'd get so much more done if I just slept for three hours. I think we, for me, because I'm a sleep researcher, but I also am really interested in, in, the, in dreams as a third state of consciousness. We have our waking consciousness. We have uh, light, uh, non-REM stages of sleep. And we have dream sleep, which is a really interesting state of consciousness. So maybe if we're, we're on the go and trying to, if we had evolved to be on the go and recharging, we wouldn't have had this opportunity to develop uh, this third stage of consciousness that seems to, again, consolidate memories, to, uh, to help us learn new material to maybe help us get rid of things that aren't working so well, to in a safe environment, safe meaning internal in this case, um, environment, try out new behaviors, try out new actions that uh, may improve a problem that that our brain or our mind body is working on. What do you think about, um, I've asked you about the movie Inception, but when you saw that film, what did you think about it? Well, as a, as a sleep geek, any, any movie uh, like that uh, certainly got my interest. Um, you know, a, a lot of movies uh, in that vein are based on some little nugget. Um, and the nugget there is that, in fact, there are people who can uh, alter their dreamscape in some way. So I'm not going to jump into your dreamscape and, and halt yours, but uh, but I can learn uh, as as uh, Dr. Carr has has taught patients to do or subjects to do, alter, become aware that they're dreaming, which is lucid dreaming, and then uh, try to uh, alter the dreams. So that's a useful, potentially useful tool. So uh, Dr. Carr is very. Uh, 
involved in a, a little subfield in a subfield called dream engineering and uh, using dreams to uh, to improve one's life. So it could be simply be there are kinds of dreams that make us feel good, right? So there are flying dreams um, that we have, and, and when people have a flying dream, it tends to be fairly positive. So why don't we have more positive experiences while we're sleeping by teaching ourselves to fly more in dreams or, or have uh, have more flight? Flying dreams. So that's a, that, that would be a little bonus, right? But what if we could, for someone, you mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder. So nightmares are a key component of post-traumatic stress disorder. What if we could teach folks to alter their nightmares in some way so that they're less nightmarish uh, and get downgraded to a disturbing or bad dream and ultimately get downgraded to uh, a, a neutral dream? Um. What about the naked dreams? People show up naked in some public circumstance. Yeah. So, uh, so they are certainly they're naked. Well, they're naked sex dreams, right? So if you're 17 years old. I don't know. Are there? <laughs> way back when uh, in one's life, one probably can pull up uh, a, uh, a, a sex dream. Um, the naked dreams that, that, that we have are probably related to, to stress dreams. So, uh, so being naked is, is embarrassing. It's, it's stressful to think about that. Uh, they tend to pop up, I think, in people who are having some, some level of stress in their lives. For some people, that threshold is very low. For some, it's very high. What I don't understand, we don't have to get into this, but why, if you're having stress, is it personified by being naked instead of what's really happening to you, like fighting with your kids your spouse like why isn't that the dream why is it an imagery of something totally different well sometimes you know? it is right sometimes the the stressor is absolutely captured um literally in the dream and sometimes it's not so um i think both happen one of the things that uh, that is odd about dreams is that it can follow a fairly logical narrative and then suddenly become completely irrational or illogical and then get logical again and go go back and forth. So one of the things that, that some people think occurred during dreams is that the, the brain is pulling together material and trying to make a coherent narrative of material that is not necessarily coherent. So imagine, if you will, uh, if, uh, if you if you were a movie producer that had lost uh, most of, uh, of the filming they had done, but they had uh, a handful of clips and they need to finish the project. Uh, so they take the clips and put them together and, and piece together a, a plot that's a, a, little, a little odd, uh, but makes some kind of sense. Our brain does that in some way. It pulls material from various places and, and makes a, tries to make a coherent narrative out of it. Because our our, our, our more rational part of our brain is, is somewhat offline when we're sleeping, when we're dreaming. We we're not aware that it's ne necessarily irrational, right? So have you experienced these irrational dreams, but when you're dreaming, you go, you don't even question it. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense that I would step out of the car onto the transatlantic flight uh, and and then suddenly right. be in the, you know on a safari. Um. What do you see as, what would you like to see as the future? What we might know or what we might have done or discovered or questions we might have answered in the next 10 years or 20 years? What's well, the future of, what is the future of dream and sleep research? Well, I'm very interested in the predictive capability of what we learn about sleep 
and what we learn about dreams, we learn about different aspects of sleep for our overall health and for uh, helping us uh, attend to conditions that we might not yet be aware of. So um, I'd be really, some of, some of the early work that was done in the area of post-traumatic stress disorder was uh, to begin to look at dreams in the early aftermath of trauma to begin to discern whether there were some people who were dreaming in a certain way after a trauma that were actually dealing with the trauma in a way that was going to be um, helpful for them over the long term, as opposed to people who were dreaming about the trauma in a way that was not going to be helpful, and they were going to get stuck in a pattern and maybe develop a chronic condition like post-traumatic stress disorder. I would, was, and still I'm very interested in being able to predict early on where someone is in an in emotion regulation process. So it would be really cool if there was... Well, I don't know that we'll get here. It's pretty unlikely. It, but wouldn't it be cool if dream X3 meant you were on the right path and just keep going, pal, and this kind of dream here meant, you know what, you might want to do more sit-ups. Um, of course, I'm coming up with silly ideas, but the predictive capacity of dream narratives and content to tell us something that might be coming down the line. Uh, You've looked at suicide, as a potential predictor, sleep and suicide connection. Yeah, so sleep problems in general are predictive of, uh, of, of lots of problems, but including suicidal thoughts, non-fatal attempts, and suicide itself. And that's true for insomnia specifically, but also nightmares specifically. So the presence of nightmares, uh, yeah, nightmares are a problem. That's why it's called a nightmare. It's a, it can be a disorder if you have lots of nightmares. So uh, being able to... Uh, to identify someone before they develop nightmares, before they develop chronic nightmares, and say, mm, based on what we're seeing, what, we're, what you're reporting in your dream content, we may want to address this sooner than we might otherwise do so. Um, the other, uh, I think, uh, brave new almost inception world is to utilize dream engineering, working with one's dreams to actually treat some sleep problems. So that's not necessarily new. We actually have, the field has a very nice treatment called imagery rehearsal therapy uh, to treat nightmares. Again, a non-medication approach to treat nightmares. And I think when I explain it, it'll make complete sense. And it is this, if you're having nightmares, I'll return now to the, the uh, analogy of a, a screen director, uh, a screenwriter uh, coming to someone and saying, you know what, we're going to change the plot of this story. What I'd like you to do is think about your dream, your nightmare, look at it as if it were a script, in fact, write it out, and then change something. Change one scene, not the whole thing, don't make it like super nice, but just change one thing. So if in your nightmare, that's a repetitive nightmare about the very bad car accident that you had, and you have that dream over and over, change the street that it happens on. It's still a crash, but say change the street or change the vehicle that you're in, but change something about the dream. And then we have people rehearse that over and over, visualizing the dream's going to happen this way, it's going to happen this way. And then what happens over time is when you repeat material enough to yourself, it's new material that gets learned. It's in here somewhere, and at night, when it's time to dream and it's time to have the nightmare, the brain, uh, the scriptwriter says, "You know what? Let's go with this scene tonight." 
and it replaces something in the dream and the dream changes. And as a person, as an individual, the next day you go, oh my gosh, it wasn't a great dream, but it was a different dream and I broke the pattern. And that can happen uh, and continue to break the pattern. That's incredibly useful. So we think that, and people have thought this for a while since we learned about lucid dreaming, that a step beyond that is to not only practice a different script during the day, but to learn to recognize I'm having a nightmare and now I'm going to change it while I'm dreaming. I'm going to recognize I'm having a nightmare and I've decided that what I'm going to do is drive this way instead of that way. So I think that's a, a future that, uh, that we want to pursue f- fairly rigorously because it's a nice, again, non-medication approach to treating nightmares, and nightmares are not not easily treated for some people. That was Will Pigeon at the Sleep and Neurophysiology Research Center at the University of Rochester. If this topic fascinates you as much as it does me, you'll want to watch my TV news program, Full Measure, this Sunday, May 15th, where you will hear more about all of this. You can find out where Full Measure airs near you by going to CherylAckeson.com and clicking the Full Measure tab for a list of cities and times. You can also always watch online fullmeasure.news at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sundays or replays there posted around noon on Sundays. You can listen to my other podcast right now, Full Measure After Hours, for additional insight on this topic. Back after a short break. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if so, you will leave a good review, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends. You can also support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes like the ION Awards for original and off-narrative journalism, which I've sponsored now at two journalism colleges, and also an award for reporting professionals to encourage original, accurate journalism that doesn't just follow the pack and repeat the pack's mistakes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself, and oh, pleasant dreams. Are you obsessed with your shoes? If not, then you probably don't have Rothy's. Because when you have shoes that are comfortable, washable, and come in tons of styles and colorways, obsession is basically mandatory. There's a Rothy's shoe for every occasion. Flats, sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and more. Step up your shoes this spring with a new pair of Rothy's. For a limited time, get $20 off your first purchase when you go to rothys.com comfort. That's $20 off at rothys.com comfort. 